Welcome to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Join the conversations of a collaborative community of women from the Southern Baptist Convention family who long to connect, engage, and encourage one another as they serve and lead in diverse ways to impact the kingdom of God. Pull up a chair, grab your favorite drink, and listen in on what God is doing through women of the SBC. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of At The Table. It's Jackie King, and I hope you're having an amazing week. And I am so thankful that you're choosing to spend some time listening to the stories of women across the SBC. I love our women. I love hearing just what God is doing all across the globe through women in our convention, in our local churches, through our missions agencies, our disaster relief. Um, If you didn't know, God is working in incredible ways in a really uncertain and crazy season. And so today I get to invite a friend over, Brenda Croston. Brenda, thank you so much for joining us today on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I am so excited. I have been wanting to have you on for a while now. We got to meet back in January at a Minister's Wives um, conference that we were both teaching at. And so I just love um, hearing from you and just learning and gleaning from you. So I'm really excited to have you on today to share your story. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Hey, so why don't you tell us a little bit just about yourself? Where do you live? Um, just how did you get connected to the SBC? What do you do? Just some of the fun kind of get to know you questions. Okay, so um, I am married to Mark Croston Sr. He was a pastor in Virginia. So a uh, funny story, I married my pastor. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I grew up apostolic. So I'm super charismatic. I love it. Girl, I love the joy you bring. It's so evident. So evident. Yeah. So um, I joined his church 14, goodness, no, 2006. I joined his church. And um, at the time, he was just my pastor. Life happened for both of us. His first beautiful wife, Karen, who is the birth mom to my now bonus children, she Aww. passed away after three bouts of cancer. Goodness. And um, I found myself single, not by choice, but by force. And God knitted our hearts together. It's such a crazy story. I'm going to have to come back to the table for that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm from Virginia, Portsmouth, Virginia. It's a small town. You probably be probably will recognize Virginia Beach, Virginia. Uh-huh. I'm about 40 minutes south from there. We now live in Tennessee, where we serve at the Mount Gilead Missionary Baptist Church here in Nashville. Um, Mark is also the director of Black Church Ministries at Lifeway. Okay. And so I've been in SBC life for about 15 years now. I love it. Okay, Ports, I don't think I'm going to say it right. Portsmouth. Is that, um, is there a base there? Like a, a military yes. base close by? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's where Josh was born, believe it or not. So yes. I have heard of that city. <laughs> so very fun. And then now you are in the beautiful mountains of Tennessee. Are you, I mean, do you have mountains around you? I'm, I'm assuming. I, I do. I do. <laughs> it's Tennessee, right? There's, yes. there's lots of yes. mountains in Tennessee. So. <laughs> 
so fun. Okay. All right. So um, you are married to a pastor, your pastor, and then he um, obviously does a lot of leaderships and you come alongside of him just with um, the African-American ministry and that kind of thing. But you also lead women's ministry, which I'm pretty excited about just unpacking your story that way. Um, So why don't you tell us a little bit about just how you landed as a women's ministry leader um, and even just kind of your story growing up to that? I mean, did you always view yourself as somebody that was going to be in ministry and serving? Why don't you share a little bit about that? Okay, so absolutely not. (laughs) Um, You're in good company. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So gosh, I want to be mindful of our time, but I do want to tell you this really quickly. Yeah, I was at a women's conference and it was a retreat. It was a very small retreat at my local church long before I met Pastor Mark Croston. Um, We were at a women's retreat and we were all supposed to have sunrise prayer on the beach. Nobody was staring because we stayed up late that night. You know what happens (laughs) at the retreats. But anyway, God shook me out of my sleep and said, go to the beach now. I get down to the beach and there's this huge dog and the owner is near, but he doesn't have a leash on him. I am afraid of dogs. And so I looked up at, at the sky and said, um, God, do you see the dog? I, I can't move forward. <laughs> you mm-hmm. have to get the dog. Mm-hmm. And the owner snaps his finger at the moment that I thought that he snaps his finger and the dog runs to him. And so I stepped down in the sand. When I stepped down in the sand, the water in the distance began to roll in onto the shore. And it was like God was stretching out the ocean and the sun was rising with each stretch. And it was so beautiful. And I was overwhelmed by his presence. Mm. And he said, nobody can do this but me. And then I look up, all of a sudden, there's this woman standing at the edge of the uh, water. He says, tell her I'm awesome. And I went, but no, God, she's going to think I'm nuts. (laughs) And he's urging me on. And I I get to her. And when I get up close, she's crying. She Mm. tears are streaming down her face. And I touch her shoulder and say, did you see that sunrise? Only God could do that. He's awesome. Mm -hmm. She doesn't say a word to me. I don't say anything else to her. She walks away. Now I create this whole story in my mind. I've saved her (laughs) from jumping in the ocean, you know, all sorts of things. But later, God impressed upon me that he was sending me to hurting women. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I had no clue. I didn't even have the words. I mean, literally, I grew up. Um, having to have speech therapy. I literally did not have the words. I had an inner book vocabulary, but never would I find myself speaking in front of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he called me into ministry that way. But the ministry, the the content from which I minister came from two unoffered prayers. And yes, you heard that right. Mm-hmm. Two unoffered prayers. Yeah. So I made Jesus Christ my savior as a little girl between ages eight and nine, but I did not ask him to be Lord. And because of that, at 17, I had a baby. And then at 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 29, I married and did not ask the Lord if this was my husband. And I had another baby. So these babies were born about um, 15 years apart. Mm-hmm. First, the first was born with Down syndrome and a heart defect. And, you know, at age 17, that was absolutely unusual. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so she passed away in 2000. And the baby girl was born 
in 2005 and she was born brain damaged. I had complications during the birth and she was born brain damaged. She lived Mm -hmm. for two years. So it's out of those unoffered prayers. I did not ask the Lord to lead my life, to guide my life. Should I marry this man? All of those things. It's from those veins that I minister. I am wholeheartedly um, devoted to serving young women who have not recognized that they have to let Jesus lead their lives Mm. or everything's going to go around. Yeah, yeah. I'm wholeheartedly devoted to women, older women who are seeking love and not recognizing that that love first begins with a love relationship with Jesus Christ. And they too haven't asked him to guide them. And so that's how I've been called into ministry and what I'm called to do. Mm, Okay. So let's go back. Cause I mean, that is, that's hard stuff. That's hard things that I don't think anybody would plan or even hope for to be in their story. So, um, can you share your daughter's names that passed away? Sure. Um, my first child is her first name was Shaquayla. Shaquayla. Okay. (laughs) We we laugh a little bit in the African-American community because back then you wanted to name your child something very unique. Well, it's Uh still happening now. And (laughs) I was 17, but nobody, she was Shaquayla Monet. So my my uncle said, Uh so is this an African French baby? (laughs) (laughs) Why, yes, it is. That makes her sound so, so sophisticated and all the things. Shaquayla, that's so beautiful. And Monet, I love that middle name. Okay. And then what about your second daughter? Maya Christina. Maya Christina. Okay. And what, um, what age did Shaquayla die at? She was nine. Nine. Okay. She died July 24th, 2000. She would have been 10 that November. Wow. Okay. So incredible loss and just hard things. Um, but I know even just with my own story and even serving along different women and hearing the stories even here on this podcast, like those hard seasons and I think our ability for us to be able to look back and see God's um, provision, I think mm-hmm. even His chase after us mm-hmm. when we are not chasing after Him. So I think that really helps, especially for us leaders, develop empathy and compassion. Um, And so how do you see those events? Um, Maybe like you're able to come alongside women that have lost children. I mean, how have you seen those hard parts of your story be redeemed almost to where it makes you a more empathetic and like really equipped leader to kind of lead through some of those hard things? It's given me so much grace. Mm. It, you know, like I have grace to share. I remember, you know, being pregnant and how it felt to be in the church because I was in the church. Yeah. And I remember the stares and the whispers. And so now I'm that voice that doesn't advocate or agree with the decision or the, the step outside of God's plan for um, your life. But I'm the person that will give you grace. And that's what I needed most at that time. Yeah. And so God has called me to give grace and wisdom. And so um, I try to offer biblical truths that are hard through through relationship. So I want to develop relationship first because I know that's the things that I needed. I needed grace and I needed relationship from older, wiser saints Mm. who had experienced life and had experienced God's grace. And so that's what I do. 
Yeah, absolutely. And how much you're able to bring in that story. But then also, I would imagine it changes your perspective a bit as you get to have, um, you know, his kids and now you're loving them. And I mean, it just, it gives such an overall picture, I think, of just God's grace and appreciation for things that I think we so often can take for granted. And so I, I just really appreciate you sharing that. I know that has to be hard things. Um, and even just moments of grief, you know, each year as you remember them and as you grieve for them, but also how you're allowing hope and grace and love to speak into that for other women. I mean, that's that's exactly what we're called to do, right? right. <laughs> yes. So, so speaking of, I mean, we are in a hard season still. I think everybody kind of hoped that it wouldn't be this way still, and it is um, thanks to COVID. So um, as you've been leading and as you've been just serving, what have you seen with women in your church and your community just throughout this COVID season? How are you seeing the gospel move? Um, how are you seeing COVID really kind of unearth maybe some false idols and just um, some hard that you're able to kind of come alongside and speak that grace into? What are you seeing as a ministry leader? Well, um, the major things are parenting and marriage. Mm-hmm. So we are struggling in parenting uh, or doing homeschool and what decisions should we make as far as sending our kids back to school and also having to be in the house with your spouse all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. so women are struggling <laughs> in those areas. What, what I, where I see God moving though is is forcing us to be in relationship for real. Like mm, now yeah. I have to face my relation, my horizontal relationships, and I also have to face my vertical relationship. And so I see God moving. This has been a hard season in that he's shown us a mirror. Mm. And um, I feel like my role as the women's ministry leader at Mount Gilead is to remind the women that you're being shown that mirror, not for punishment, you know, God's not like man. He's not saying, hey, take this time and look at yourself and look at what a mess you are. No, he's saying, look at you, look at my grace, and here's where I want to take you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the mirror, we also see potential. When God shows us a mirror, he see, He shows us a p- the potential of who we can be. Yeah. And so um, that's where I'm seeing God move. Women are now hungry to know God more to find out, listen, how can I study his word and apply it practically in this season? How can I have that joy that I see on others in the midst of this hard time? Not that we're Mm -hmm. not acknowledging that this is hard. We're crying some days, but we're forging ahead. I see the women in my church seeking after that more. And so that that part is exciting. COVID has been horrible. But that part excites me because I see more and more people seeking after Jesus. So tell me, just kind of practically, what does that look like with your women? So are you having more kind of um, smaller conversations, you know, with women? Are you having individual conversations? I know one of your big heartbeats is developing leaders and developing women in their Christian walk. And so what does that look like in this COVID season? Because, you know, I feel like ministry has just shifted so much um, and some are scared to come. Some aren't scared to, you know, like some are like, I want to be there every day because I miss people you know, 
know, so the array of how people are responding to the pandemic is so widespread. So what are some of the things that you're doing just kind of practically with your women to help bring them together, to kind of refocus them as they're looking at that mirror? Um, What are you doing? The first thing we did was started doing a digital check-in. So monthly, we either come on Zoom or Facebook and uh, we've had different focuses. So the mm-hmm. first one, we had a dance party. So oh, we, I love it. <laughs> we got on Zoom. We didn't put that one live on Facebook. Oh, <laughs> we hey, that next one. I want to be invited to that. Okay. <laughs> I'm coming to the next one. That's amazing. <laughs> I tried to pull uh, music from every genre and we danced. And then we listened to a message from uh, Maisha Cheney. It was so timely. She recorded mm-hmm. it in 2018, but it was so timely for the time that we were in. And um, and then we just checked in with everybody. The digital check-in is exactly what it we, we say it is. We had the fun with the dancing. We heard this outstanding message that was applicable to our current situation. And then we just talked openly and honestly. And what I did was shared first because mm. I know that it's hard to be vulnerable. Um, women, we have a reputation, unfortunately, of not being as supportive it's supportive when someone brings their true self to the table. Yeah. And so I shared first and I was honest about where I was, what was happening. And then it just, it was great. And so one month we did, um, let's talk about sex because we mm-hmm. don't hear about that in, in the yep. church. And we yep. had open, honest, biblical conversation <laughs> about sex. And so we've done different focuses like that. So that was the first thing I did to make sure, or the team, Sorry, the team, Mm -hmm. we did that to make sure that, you know, you were hearing our voices and you know that we're still praying for you and we're trying to stay in touch with you. Now, COVID was a blessing for me in that I came into this position new to the church. The women weren't as receptive. You know how that, you know, this Mm -hmm. is an established church. They've been around for a while. They're connected. Here's this new girl coming in and she's the leader of the (laughs) the women's ministry. What? Yep. And so COVID has been a blessing where I got a chance to step back and see where, how I could connect with them to get the pulse of the church. And so these digital check-ins have started that. Um, I'm getting their pulse. And so the other thing we're creating that's practical is small group discipleship. We didn't have that for the women specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what we did, what we're calling it is Discipleship Academy. I'm so excited about this. Oh, yes. Talk, yes. girl, go. <laughs> Academy where we're going to create the first group will um, take a 16 week course to learn how to engage and lead a small group, but not a study that, you know, that's been written by one of our great authors and our, you know, the prominent Beth Moores and things like that, but actually studying the Bible together, because mm-hmm. this is an answer to the hunger that I see to know Jesus more. I mean, I, you know, that's the, the reoccurring theme. I need to know Jesus more so I can parent my children where I, well, I need to know Jesus more so I can love my husband. Well, I need to know Jesus more so I can love myself. And so mm. we're doing discipleship Academy. That's going to multiply itself. So that first group will get 16 weeks of how to lead the group, how to, um, engage the text, um, and um, just ideas on how to be in small group together, whether over Zoom or in person. And then they will disciple a small group um, for 
one solid year. So mm -hmm. I'm so excited. We were, um, my, my pastor originally gave me permission to start um, in, I think it was June, but things just didn't go right. He needed to revamp some things for the entire church. So first of the year, we are kicking off Discipleship Academy. How exciting. And I think I've seen kind of a similar wave almost, you know, to where obviously like events aren't bad <laughs> um, and God uses those. But when <laughs> events are canceled and you're not able to have them, yes. um, it, it makes you shift. And so I love seeing um, within my own women and exactly what you're talking about, this shift to those smaller groups and um, that time in the word, you know, almost kind of getting back to the fundamentals that have maybe um, not willingly, you know, but we've maybe forgotten just the simplicity of what it means to gather around the table with our Bibles and just pick apart scripture and see mm -hmm. how big God is and study together. And so I just love hearing how um, you have a process to it, but at the same time, there's also just this, we want to get together and know more about our God, you mm -hmm. know, and and let's do that together and form community around that. So it's just really exciting. I think I'm seeing the same thing. I'm hearing that from other ministry leaders as well. And I'm really excited just to see what God does with that, you know, with women that are being transformed by the word. I mean, I can't get any more excited about that. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's zoom out a little bit because I kind of want to talk about just your church as a whole and then even you and your husband. Um, Y'all are pouring into so many African-American leaders and other pastors and pastors' wives. And, you know, our country is kind of in a hard season right now mm -hmm. to where there is so much tension and um, and just conversation. And I will say even maybe the wrong conversations that um, need to be happening. So I would love for you first to kind of tell us, like, I want you to brag a little bit just about um, your church, like just the beauty and reflection of God and His church and Christ and just the uniqueness that I think your community um, just reflects of Him and allows us to see differently. You know, like the fact mm -hmm. that you had a dance party, like I've never <laughs> thought of that. I mean, come on. And who doesn't want to have that, you know? Right. So I want you just to kind of like brag a bit on just the beauty of your church, of the African-American culture and the richness that God has um, just so deeply planted in you guys. And then after we kind of get done bragging, I would love for you just to help us be more aware, like what in the conversation do we need to be saying and not saying, leaning in, you know, those kind of things. So let's start with the bragging part because I'm really excited to hear this. Like, <laughs> tell me just... I want to hear it. I want to hear what God is doing um, uniquely through you guys. Oh, well, I would say, so we had a tornado right before the um, COVID quarantine actually set in. Yuck. So, okay. Yeah. Who fact, wants that? 2020, right? <laughs> yeah, a week. It was a week before. Ugh. And I would say that um, our pastor has um, been in the community all of his life. He's from Nashville. And so that's, um, that, that works in our favor in that he gets to talk to the mayor and all those things. And so our church um, made sure to um, jump in the ministering to the community by inviting everybody in to um, bring food, bring um, toiletries. Our church was filled like Sunday morning oh, <laughs> around yes. the walls. That was the last Sunday we were in church around the walls, in the hallways, there was this boatload of things. And I'm so proud of us oh, cool. for coming together 
and making sure that we minister to our community. Our church is the typical African, what you would think about, let me say, what some would think <laughs> of as the typical African-American community. Um, we sing loud. We say, I love it. We say amen. You might, you might see somebody run around the aisles <laughs> and we still are Southern Baptists, but we are so charismatic. Like some days I'm like, are we, are we in? The Southern Baptist Church. Yes, girl. Yes. Because it is loud. My pastor will often say this phrase, which cracks me up in his Tennessean voice. Talk back to me in here. You know, he always <laughs> says, talk back to me in here because he wants you to say, amen. Clap mm. your hands. Let me know that you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and I think that I used to cringe. So let me be honest. I used to cringe if um, somebody who was unfamiliar with our culture would come into the space. And then God started reminding me that you are an image bearer. Mm, yeah. He said, you are an image bearer. You have to love who you are. You have to respect the culture, the ways that I put in you before you can ask anybody else to do that. Yeah. And so I love the fact that you can come into our church and say amen very loudly and nobody's gonna <laughs> nobody's mm -hmm. gonna laugh. Yeah. I love the fact that I can lift my hands in worship and cry out to God um, unashamedly in our worship experience. But I also love the fact that in our worship experience, that's not all you're going to get. You're going to get Bible teaching. Mm. And after you get that Bible teaching, you get to jump and celebrate about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I think that's the beauty of our experience that we are, we have this sense of service embedded in our hearts that came along with the, the horrible legacy of having been servants and having been the underdogs there's this sense to serve. And so mm -hmm. I love that. That's why I brought up the whole tornado um, effort to, to minister to the community. I love that we serve and that in service, we serve one another through this kind of uplifting mm -hmm. praise and clap and singing. It's like um, the scripture says um, in Colossians to speak to one another in Psalms and hymns. And I think that's what our African-American experience is. When you come into our worship space, we're speaking to one another. We're speaking to the pastor in psalms and hymns. Yes. Oh, it's so beautiful and so um, just full of joy and excitement that I honestly think in some of our Caucasian churches, like we've forgotten, you know, and mm -hmm. like, and I think that's the beautiful reminder. Um, I think the way that y'all do community, the way that y'all gather along and you celebrate together and you laugh together and just, um, and I don't think there's a preacher on the planet that doesn't want amens coming back at him, you know, like, I mean, I know whenever I'm teaching, I'm like, please, anybody, you know, like, <laughs> so I think I'm going to steal his, <laughs> you need to talk back. Um, but there's just so much excitement that I think comes, and even in this season, you know, that we're seeing of, I want to be with you, and I want to celebrate the Lord with you. And so it's just exactly what you said. It is a reflection of the image of God and just being part of that joy and that love and community together. So. 
I want to kind of throw a harder question to you because I know, I mean, y'all have to feel that tension and some of just the challenging um, environment that we are doing ministry in. And so I would love you to just give any kind of encouragement or wisdom in how do we walk forward in this conversation? How do we celebrate one another well? Mm-hmm. Um, what are you seeing? What are maybe even some of the conversations y'all are having that we can come alongside and be together, serve together? because we are uh, the same family. So let me know, like, what do you think? Okay, so the harder conversation that we've been having, and we just had this um, in Sunday school on Sunday, um, is that as an African-American, you have to let go of the mentality that Caucasian people owe us something or we get to say and do whatever we want because we have been the ones that's been wronged. I mean, slavery, Mm -hmm. you know, that's Mm -hmm. all I need to say is slavery. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we hold that idea up and we believe that we can say or do anything because we've been wronged. But the Bible doesn't agree with us on that. Mm -hmm. And I would say to my Caucasian sisters and brothers to go back to Genesis and look at Genesis 126. God said, let us make man in our image. If we really, African-Americans, Caucasians, whomever, if we really believe that God made all of us in his image, we would not treat one another this way. Mm. And so on to my Caucasian brothers and sisters, start having the conversation um, that sounds like us and not us and them. Yeah. Because... This affects everybody. This affects everybody. If we do not move forward and work together, everybody stands to lose. Mm. And so the answer is very simple and complex at the same time. When you look at me, you are seeing the image of God. When Mm. I look at you, I must see the image of God. I, I do. I see the image of God. And so for African-Americans, we have to rid ourselves of the mindset that we are not we are not equal. So that's a part of the problem, too. And it it makes sense because we come from generations where we not been treated as equal and we've been told that we weren't. And then for you, you come from a generation of people who held that idea. So it's 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 almost embedded in us. And so now we got to start retraining our brain. We have to retrain how we think about one another. And the first thing is to be honest. So I had to tell the Lord how I felt honestly. And then I took a look at my life and said, you know, how do I feel about Caucasian people for real? And God showed me a list of things where Satan tried to make me hate white people. Mm. I was slapped by, uh, I, I hate to say white, um, I'm Caucasian. I, I'm trying to get in the habit of saying African-American and Caucasian because there's only one race, human race. Yeah. So yeah. that's inc- And that's helpful. So that's good. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. A Caucasian young man slapped me when I was in the sixth grade just because he could. Mm. Um, I was uh, rejected when I was 17 year old, 17 years old. Um, by um, every one of my Caucasian teachers. 
I was treated poorly. I was on the honor roll, but I was pregnant. You know, it was, and it was, it was blatantly obvious why it was what it was. And so there was this whole list of things. And then God put them before me and said, now tell yourself honestly how you feel. And so I had to be honest that I didn't trust Caucasian, um, the Caucasian, my Caucasian brothers and sisters that I always thought that I was less than. And so he's now retraining my brain. You're an image bearer. I created everyone equal. And so you now first must start with yourself. If you don't respect and love and appreciate who you are and who I created you to be, no one else will. So um, that's I think that's true for everybody, though. So we all need to have that clean slate. Love, respect yourself, love and respect yourself. And then recognize that everybody else deserves that same love and respect. Why? Not because of anything that we've done, but because of whose we are. Mm, And it just is so simple, but it's just so true. Yeah. Brenda, I'm like tearing up as you're sharing just those moments that I think are cemented down into um, your story and not only the hard losses of your sweet little girls, but even then um, just these things that, you know, not even just the act obviously is wrong, but I think just those seeds that the enemy mm-hmm. plants in that makes you believe the lie that you're not worthy or you're not wanted. Mm-hmm. And and so um, I'm sorry that that is a part of your story. Um, I really am. But I'm also thankful and and proud that you would be willing to share just some of those things that have shaped and that you've even had to wrestle with yourself. And I hope that as you share, I hope that as we have conversations, um, even as you were talking, I was thinking we need to be having actual conversations, not like online conversations, mm-hmm. you know, like phone and face to face to where as we hear more of these stories across the table, no matter what the other person looks like or their background or their history, but that we would see the enemy has been planting these lies all across, <laughs> um, you know, generations yes. and denominations and ethnicities. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just how he can lie to divide. And so I so appreciate you sharing that. I appreciate even just your encouragement and vulnerability and saying you had to go take that to the Lord first, you know, and, and I think that would be a healthy exercise for all of us of just what, what are we doing? What is so much a part of us that it's a lie that we don't even know is a lie Mm -hmm. that is being a lens to keep us from seeing and celebrating the image of God and other people. And so I just, I really appreciate you sharing your story, both the hard and the not so fun parts to just let us in on how you are beautifully reflecting the image of God. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. So we are sadly running out of time. I feel like we could talk like for more hours, um, but I want to kind of give you the last um, little blip of just what are just a couple or maybe just one like leadership nugget for our listeners. You know, they are leading in various capacities. They're in the local church. They're in our entities and our denomination just all over um, trying to love Jesus well and love others well. So just kind of giving you the last couple of minutes, what would be your encouragement to them as they lead and serve for the kingdom? Okay, this is going to sound crazy. <laughs> Read your DMV manual, specifically the one, the rule that says stop 
I'm yield to your right at a four way stop sign. <laughs> I okay. know it sounds crazy, but here you go. Nope. I'm so, hearing. I'm listening. <laughs> always yield to the right when you arrive at a place where everybody is halted. And what's the right? The right is God's word. God's mm-hmm. word is always going to lead us to the right place, to the right answer. He's going to tell us when to stop and when to go. Um, also, yield to the right when you come to a place where your ministry is stalled. Open God's word. Find out where it is that he's leading and guiding you and operate from the word and not from our feelings and not from our personal experiences. If you, if you come, when you come to a four way stop and you always lean to the right, you always sorry yield to the right. You're going to do the thing that is most pleasing to God because the yield to the right is yielding to his word. Hmm. Yeah, so, I love it. Um, I love even weird. just the imagery with yielding, you know, yeah. like you're not stopping, like ain't nobody stopping. Right, right. <laughs> but you're kind of slowing down and getting that perspective and that wisdom in order to move forward. I love that. And it has well, to be a lot of yielding in ministry. Oh, girl. I mean, that could be a whole nother episode, right? Like, we'll have to invite you back and you can talk about that story that we were talking earlier um, with you and your husband. And then um, all about the yield in ministry. So, man, Brenda, thank you so much just um, for your time, for your character and your integrity and your heart for the church. Like, I just, I love watching God in you and your um, Facebook videos and just what God is teaching you on your daily walks. Um, So. Um, I love it, girl. I hope you keep going. And I hope you know that you have sisters all across the globe that love you and are cheering you on and watching you do great things for the kingdom of God. Well, and ladies, thank you so much for joining us again for another episode. I hope you're encouraged. I hope you're challenged um, and that you will take some of the things that were shared today and that you would pause, that you would yield a bit and just see what God is kind of birthing in you, stirring in you for you to continue to walk out in obedience to the kingdom of God and what he is doing because he's doing a lot and there's so many ways that we can plug into all of the things. So I am so thankful that you decided to spend some time with us today at the table and we can't wait for you to join us next week for another episode. We are cheering you on. You have been listening to At The Table, the podcast for the SBC Women's Leadership Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes and share this with your friends and other women in the SBC. They'd also love to connect online with you at sbcwomen.net for more resources and for you to join the conversation with women all across the globe who are serving in kingdom mission. Thanks for listening.